It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm even more glad I'm here. It's good to be here. I really like to have experiences in my life that are joy-giving. Don't you? When my kids were little, I really enjoyed playing games with them. And the games that I enjoyed playing with them, the things that we did together, in play that brought me the most joy are the things that required me to play like a kid. I don't know if that's one of the reasons why you enjoy grandkids so much or why you look forward to them, but to play with kids often requires you act like a kid. And there's joy in that, right? When we were on vacation together, we learned a new game as a family. That's fun, learning a new game together. There's laughter, there's conversation. We learned how to play cribbage. Anybody play cribbage? It's like a really old game, but for our family, it was a brand new game, and it was really, really fun. We enjoyed it. It brought joy. The end of this week, Caden and I were out, and we were uh, getting gas in our vehicle, and there was a lady that drove into the gas station on a flat tire, and she needed help. And Caden and I were able to help her. And after it's done, we looked at each other and just gave us, we gave each other this look of, that was awesome. And it, it just was joyful. I like, I like doing things, being with people that are joy-giving. I enjoy a walk on a cool evening with Lindley, especially the cool part, right? <laughs> it's just nice to do things that bring joy. Part of the reason that I like to spend time knee-deep in cold water with a fly rod in my hand is because there's something joyful about having a trout on the end of my fly rod pulling against me. I like that. I just like joy-giving people and experiences. And that was weird. Did y'all hear that noise? <laughs> anyway, I like that stuff. I mean, we, we all want more joy. I want more joy. You want more joy. Nobody here wants less joy. We want more joy. I tell you that because God wants us to want more joy. God actually wants you and me to want more joy. Now when we leave here today, we will leave here on a quest for joy. You and I will leave this building and we will be on a quest for joy. That's just going to happen because that's who we are. We want more joy, not less joy. And so when we leave here, we're on a quest for joy. And God wants us to want more joy. And when you leave this building today, you're going to be experiencing some potential distractions. 
There will be joys that will be made available to you, offered to you as you walk through your week. Some of those joys will be good and fine. Some of them will not be so good and very fleeting and you probably shouldn't pursue them, but they'll be offered to you as you leave this place. There'll be all kinds of joys that you can choose from throughout all the week. And here's what God wants us to do in a quest for joy. He wants us to be able to choose greater joy. He wants us to want more joy. What I want to make sure that we do together today is that we orient our hearts and our minds to the Word of God so when we leave this place on a quest for joy, we make room for greater joy. So we're going to help with that a little bit. So one of the things that uh, we are going to make available to those of you who would like it is this little journal. In this little journal you can pick up at the Welcome Center if you didn't see one this morning, but this little journal is a journal for you if you would like to do this to follow along the scripture passage as we work through it. And then there's a little area you can write some things as we work through the scripture passage. And if you want to do this, is something that kind of, kind of makes sense to you, here's what you can write. You can write the major takeaway related to the passage of Scripture that I'm covering on that Sunday. So this Sunday I'm covering 1 John 1, 1 through 4. You can write in the journal the major takeaway. Here's what I learned about God today. And then right below that you can write, and here's how I'm going to respond to the Lord this week specifically because I believe that about God. You can just write down your response. And you can just keep a journal of how God spoke to you and how you responded to him through the entire series. This would be a great keepsake for the series through 1 John. So that's one of the things you can use if you want to. And another one is in the worship guide. Inside the worship guide, there's a section called Go Deeper. And that section called Go Deeper is a way that you can take what is spoken about in the sermon and actually apply it personally through the week to go a little bit deeper related to the subject matter that we talked about in the sermon. So this is another way for you to apply or respond to the Lord and what he said. Another thing you can do is you can look online, fbg.church, and you can look up the home group guide. That's a more in-depth discussion guide for a small group. So if you meet together with some friends this week and want to have some guidance to talk about God's Word, well, that gives you some guidance. And if you're in a home group, that's what you'll use to talk through some applying of God's Word to your life and holding each other accountable. Another component of that home group guide, which we hope will soon be a part of the worship guide is the family discipleship ideas. Those are just ideas you can implement as parents or grandparents in the regular effort of training your children to follow Christ. And then our family ministry is periodically going to provide for you some resources that go along with this series. So we'll be in 1 John for a while this fall and there will be periodically made available resources that you can actually pick up when you leave that will help you implement truths and application in your home, in your marriage, in your family. Because what we really want to happen through this experience is for all of us to see actual ways we can choose greater joy. And you notice on the screens is the logo, and the logo we'll be referring to throughout the series. First John gives me an opportunity to talk a lot about our mission, to love God, love people, and help others do the same. 
You see the logo, FBG Church, that's our website, fbg.church, and then around the outside, you can think of it as a map. And we'll walk through this map periodically as we walk through the study. You can see, as you see on every map that you look at when you're out hiking or whatever, you can see this little star, it says, you are here. Well, just think of the logo as a map, you are here, and where we want to go is to love God with all that we are. What we want to do is make sure we're loving people as we've been loved. And we want to make sure we're helping others do the same so that they join us in that journey of loving God, loving people, helping others do the same. And so you can, just, you can just look at that map and just see yourself walking along there. You are here, and then you're loving God, and you're loving people, helping others do the same, and then someone's with you doing the very same thing. And so when you think about that, that logo, I want you to think about our mission statement, who we are and what we're seeking to become as a church family. We'll reference that throughout the series so that we more better understand the details of what we mean when we say love God, love people, help others do the same. Now the Apostle John is the same author here that wrote the book of Revelation that we just finished not too long ago. And we're looking into 1 John and he wrote this to a group of churches in what is now modern day Turkey. There were some people in those areas that were trying to distract the believers in the church from believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. They were teaching things that were not true about Jesus. They're trying to bring, bring false teaching into the church and disrupt the church. And John's writing this book to these churches in order to encourage them to know what is true about Jesus. Because knowing what is true about Jesus and believing what's true about Jesus is how you experience the assurance of eternal life. And he wants to make sure that everyone who believes in Jesus knows that they know Jesus. And by knowing that they know Jesus, know that they have eternal life. So let's look together, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which is from the beginning, that which we heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we beheld or looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life. And the life was revealed, and we saw and we testified and we announced to you the eternal life, which is from the Father and revealed to us. That which we saw and we heard, we announced to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you so that our joy may be made full. That which is from the beginning. That first phrase is a major clue to who John is talking about here in this little book. You remember back to John's gospel. So John wrote an entire gospel about the life and account of Jesus Christ. And the first words in his gospel was the word was with God in the beginning. And the word was God. What John is talking about here in 1 John is Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. He is life. And he 
has been revealed. God chose to reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ so that when you know Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Have you ever played hide-and-seek with a three- or four-year-old? You know it's not about hiding, is it? Because if you hide, like genuinely hide from a three- or four-year-old, they're not going to be able to find you. So if you play hide-and-seek with a three- or four-year-old, the game is really about finding. And they want to find you again and again and again and again and again. It's crazy how it goes on and on. It's all about being found. Knowing God is like that. If God hid himself from us, we would never find him. But the fact is, God wants us to know him. And so he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So that if anyone seeks after him, they will find him. Because he has made life about finding, not hiding. He wants to be found. And thankfully, he chose to reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he rose again from the dead, overcoming sin and death, so that if we decide to seek after him, we would not just know about him, but we would meet him and experience him and know him personally. Not long after I met Lindley back in college, I discovered that she liked to study at the medical library. And so my life then became a series of decisions so that I might end up at the medical library. I could have cared less about studying unless it was studying her. <clears throat> I wanted to be where she was. I wanted to experience her. And so I put myself in a position to know her. God wants us to know him. And he has revealed himself so that we might experience him. John is telling us that he and the apostles, they heard Jesus. They heard him. They heard him cry out to Lazarus, come out of that grave. They heard him shed tears, crying and weeping. They heard him speak to the winds and the waves, and they saw the winds and the waves obey him. They heard him speak the very words of God, words would make them feel like no other words they'd ever heard made them feel. They heard Jesus speak. They heard him. They heard him in that deep, methodic breathing of a deep sleep. 
They heard things by being with Jesus. They, they heard him. They heard him say to people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They heard him cry out to the Father, why have you forsaken me? They heard him, and they knew they had heard the voice of God. John says that he and the apostles, they saw him. They saw Jesus. They got to see him perform all these incredible miracles. They got to see people restored back to life. They got to see Jesus do things they could not even previously imagine. They were able to see Christ. They knew they had seen God. John and the apostles, they say, we touched him. We, we got to be with him. Like we could reach out and we could touch his arm. We could, we could hold his hands. We know what the calluses in his hands felt like. We touched him. We know what the wound in his side from his death on the cross felt like. We know what the wounds in his wrists were like. We touched him. We were with Jesus. We ate with him. We hung out with him. We fished with him. We walked along the way with him. We camped out with him. We were with him. We touched him. They touched Jesus and they knew they had touched God. They experienced him. And they had to tell about it. They just couldn't keep from it. When I was in fourth grade, we moved to a new house, and that put me in a new elementary school. It just so happened that the elementary school was maybe a mile or mile and a half from my house, so it wasn't too far to walk home. And that day and time, it was normal for kids in elementary school to walk home from school. And uh, so I would, at the end of school, a new kid in the school, walk home with a group of other students my age or roundabout my age, and we would all kind of herd together on our way to our houses. And so as we walked to our house, um, people would drop off going to their house. And so I was walking with a group of people who were on the same route as me who would hang out with me until I got to my house, and then they would go to their house. Well, along the way, as we all walked home, me being a new kid, I would hear the gossip on a fourth to fifth grade level about the neighborhood. That's what kids do. They talk about, well, you know, that neighbor and this neighbor and that neighbor's really mean and you better watch out when you go to that neighbor's house. That neighbor's got that bully kid who lives there. You better stay away. I mean, you hear all the kind of the gospel. One of the stories that came out in walking home was a story about a lady who lived down the street that if you walked up to her house and you picked off a leaf off of one of her trees and you went up to her door and you rang the doorbell and you gave her a leaf off of one of her trees, she would respond by you giving the leaf by giving you a piece of candy. I thought, this is a new kid joke, right? This is not real. But day after day, my friends would tell me, no, that's what happened last year. We'd just take a leaf off the tree, walk up to the door, ring the doorbell, hand the leaf, and she'd give you candy. I'd be like, there's no way. So one day I decided I'm going to do it. So on the way home, I went up to the lady's yard. I picked a leaf off her tree. I walked to the door, rang the doorbell. I mean, talk about feeling ridiculous. She opens the door, and I said, here's a leaf. Can I have some candy? And lo and behold, 
She produced a piece of candy, gave it to me. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I walked back and I could not believe it. All of a sudden, I now had a story to tell because I experienced it, right? Seemed unbelievable. How could this really happen? And yet, it did. And now I tell the story. See, John and the apostles, they have a story that is unbelievable. That God would become flesh, come and dwell among us, so that we might behold his glory and know him. But it's even a step further than that. John and the apostles believed that if they told people about what they experienced, that people who believed their eyewitness accounts of what they experienced, would experience knowing Jesus Christ for themselves, even if they'd never seen him themselves. Wow. But that's exactly what Jesus promises. John writes about it in John chapter 14. Verses 21 and 23. John chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus says, if you love me and you obey me, you believe in me, then I'm going to show myself to you. Whether you've ever seen me or not. I'm going to show myself to you. Verse 23 says, if you love me, you obey me, I'm going to love you. The Father's going to love you. And guess what? We are going to come and make our abode with you. I'm going to live with you. So that every day, in everything you face, in everything that's going on, I'm with you. And I'm going to show you who I am as you live your life because I'm with you and you will know me. That's what he's telling us is I will show you who I am and be with you every day. Now, how does that work? Here's how it works. You place your faith. You believe the eyewitness accounts. That's what the Bible is. The accounts of experiencing God. You believe that those accounts by these witnesses are true. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God sends the spirit of Christ. Jesus Christ spiritually comes to live with you so that you're never left alone, never forsaken again. You always have the abiding presence of God with you. And then God gives you a revelation of himself so that you can know that you know him by giving you the eyewitness accounts of experiencing God, the Bible, so that every day when you open the Bible and you read the eyewitness accounts of experiencing God, you know who he is and then he's with you and you're now looking for him and all that's happening in your life and you get to experience the fulfillment of who he is and what he says every day in your life for the rest of your life. You get to experience and know him. It all starts with believing what we're told about him. And we're told about him because God wants you to find him. And if you just seek, you will find that he is with you and he is revealing himself to you. And when you know him, 
you, you can't help but to talk about it. You can't help it. I remember years ago, um, I was able to spend some time with a young man who was a murderer and he would eventually be on death row and be executed in the state of Texas. And I have told stories from that experience over and over again. It was an unbelievable experience to counsel and minister to that individual. I remember one time when I was in college, I was staying at a hotel room with the other groomsmen for a wedding that we were attending and being a part of. In the middle of the night, in the parking lot of the hotel, there was a fight that broke out that involved guns and bats and sledgehammers, breaking of cars. And it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever experienced. Well, I can guarantee I've told that story many times. In the fall of 1998, I was mugged at gunshot and delivered miraculously by the hand of the Lord. And I've told that story many times. You know why Facebook? and Instagram and Snapchat and all those things are popular because we love telling stories. We love telling about the things that make us joyful. The more joy, the more apt we are to tell it. Think about it like this. Who really keeps secrets? Secrets are hard to keep. Have you noticed the juicier the secret, the harder it is to keep? You notice that? Like if you're thinking you're going to tell somebody something and you're telling them something really juicy, think twice. The juicy stuff's hard to keep because we like to tell stories. We find it hard to keep things in that just need to be told. John and the apostles, they were told, do not talk about Jesus. You know what John said? He says, you be the judge, but I'm going to tell you, what we have seen and what we have heard, we cannot help but talk about. We're going to tell people about Jesus. You know, they made an amazing discovery along the way. It's in, it's in verse 4. Read that with me again. These things we write to you, so that our joy may be full. Do you want more joy? We all do. So how about we start where the apostles started? Experiencing Jesus Christ. As wonderful as it is for us to gather at church on Sunday, it's not enough. You want more joy. And so put a pattern in your life this week of opening God's word, the accounts of experiencing God. And allow this word of God with the spirit of God to illuminate your heart to who he is so that you experience him. There's more joy to be found. There's greater joy. And it's found first in experiencing Him. You want more joy? Of course you do. We all do. We all want more joy. 
So let's, let's start where the apostles started in experiencing Jesus Christ and experiencing the fellowship that we share as members of the body of Christ who are together experiencing Christ and sharing those experiences with each other. This last Thursday evening, Lindley and I got together with some folks in our church, three people. We had dinner together. Those three people are more in the classification of what I call mentors in our life. Just unbelievable blessings of faithfulness and encouragement. Lindley and I experienced this intentional time of sharing about how we're each doing in the Lord. Sharing prayer requests and then praying together. We shared a great meal, amazing dessert. You know, those things alone give you some joy. But that wasn't enough. We chose greater joy. We prayed together. We encouraged each other in Christ. And when Lindley and I left, when we got in our vehicle, we both looked at each other and said, that was so good. We, we went deeper around our experiences of knowing Christ with people in the body of Christ. This is the fellowship that John's inviting people into. He says, we want you to believe what we have seen because if you believe what you, we have seen, you will have fellowship with us. And we want that fellowship because our fellowship with Jesus. And if our fellowship with Jesus and you join us in that, we're all going to have more joy because we're getting to know Jesus together. Right? I had a a couple of friends I was hanging out with at the end of the week. We try to hang out together at least once a week in our lives. And one of the guys said to me, he goes, you know, I would describe our friendships as less like an event and more like a journey. He goes, I don't feel like that this friendship's here in this moment and then it's going to be gone because it just really wasn't of substance. He goes, no, I feel like we're on this journey of discovering Christ together and our friendship is just growing and growing as we get to know Christ. Boy, that was joyful, right? Joy. You want more joy? Of course we do. We all want more joy. So let's follow the apostles' lead and pursue more joy by getting to know Jesus Christ and fellowshipping together in Christ. But let's make sure we make room for even greater joy. And share our story with someone else. I mean, that's what we're seeing here in 1 John 1, 1 through 4. John and the apostles have shared the story of knowing Christ with people who had not ever seen him. And they knew that if people trusted Christ because they shared their story, their joy would be made full. Share your story. I just want to give you a couple of thoughts related to sharing your story. Have a current story. There's really wonderful things about having the story of how you came to know Christ, and I want to encourage you to share that as many times as you can. But part of the wonderful thing about being in a relationship with Christ is that you always have an opportunity to have a current story of how God's working in your life. And just look for ways to share your current story of how God's working in your life and share it with the people you're around. You know what you're going to discover? That as you share Christ, your joy will increase and it will be a greater joy. When I was going through a great deal of stress and turmoil in the month of June 
related to some other obligations in my life. You know, I made an amazing discovery during that time. I was in a moment where it was really high stress. I was walking through some difficulty, and God put in my path an individual who did not know him at all, had never really understood the clear presentation of the gospel. And I got to share my faith with that individual. I got to share exactly what it means to trust and follow Christ. And that individual was like, I'm interested in knowing more. And I got to pour all that out. And when I walked away from that moment, you know what I realized? With all the stress and all the craziness in my life, the one thing that matters more than anything else is to be about greater joys. And there certainly is no greater joy than helping somebody else experience the Jesus Christ that has saved me. More joy. Greater joy. I want to teach you a little something this morning about eating at buffets. Buffet 101. When you go to a buffet, the first thing you've got to do is look at the entire buffet. If you don't spend time studying the buffet, you're going to make grave mistakes. Right? Now, here's the thing. This is why it's so critical, because you got one shot for the first plate. And every plate after the first plate cannot provide you as much joy as the first plate. Are you with me? And so you got to make the most of the first plate. And to make the most of the first plate, you got to study the buffet. you got to figure out where things are because if you don't study the buffet, you're going to go through the salad and the fruit section first. You're going to fill your plate with lima bean salad or something like that. And you get down to the end where they're serving prime rib, you're not going to have room for that. And your primary is going to touch everything else. And all of a sudden it's going to be contaminated. It's not going to work out for you. And so you've got to study the buffet. You've got to figure out your strategy so that you fill your plate with the greater foods. So that the lesser foods don't create an impossible opportunity for the greater foods. You're going to leave here today. There's going to be a whole lot of lesser joys competing for your life. We've looked at the buffet today, and we have identified the greater joys. Fill your plate. You will not be disappointed.